Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello everybody and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host Sarah Jolly Jarvis and have I got a special roundup of 2021 for you. We have taken the top three podcasts, the top three most popular podcasts from 2021 and we are sharing with you them with you today back to back. So I'm not going to do any updates. I am not going to um, talk around anything else I am just going to help you let you just jump straight in and enjoy these three so first up we have Jordan Benjamin okay um my interview on mindset with Jordan Benjamin and there is a real theme going on here guys because this isn't the only mindset one that you guys really enjoyed listening to so Jordan Benjamin is first up then followed by I'm going to break up the mindset a little bit with a conversation um that I did a solo one so it's a solo podcast on selling on a shoestring and um that was at the beginning of last year and that was super popular with you guys too so um and then in third place, we have our, my interview with Rain Hickman, and we talked about staying happy. Uh, so I am really excited to be sharing these three with you back to back without introductions, without you having to go and search through and find these episodes. Um, they will run in sequence back to back on this. So um, enjoy, guys, and I will see you in 2022. Hi everybody, I'm here today with Jordan Benjamin, and we are going to be talking around what. Peak Performance uh, Selling Podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit more around mindset. Um, topic we do cover, but um, we're going to cover it in a little bit more detail today and take advantage of having Jordan with us. So to start off with, Jordan, I'm going to ask you to sell me the importance of mindset in sales. So the importance of mindset in sales is an interesting one. Uh, really what got me on this journey is that I find so many companies invest millions of dollars in sales training and yet they never see it actually adopted. They never see the massive uplift that new process, new systems can have on their sales team, but mm -hmm. it's just never realized. And so what I found is if a lot of folks don't leverage something like a growth mindset, if they don't believe that they can actually improve and grow and get better than the skills that they were innately born with, mm -hmm. most sales training gets wasted. And so much of that sits in the mindset and how people believe that they can get better, that they can grow. And so everything else is wasted if we are not first and foremost focusing on the mindset and the belief that people can improve to then think about how do we develop the rest of our sellers, our sales teams uh, and our leaders. Okay, so I like that nice and succinct. And I didn't even prep you for that. Well done. <laughs> on the spot. I thought, well, that's, that's a bit of a harsh one to start with, but it kind of it sets the scene. And, and what got you to where you are now? You know, like what made you think, you know what, I want to really focus in on this? Uh, a lot of personal struggles and challenges. I, I've stumbled my own way through life and realized that so much of what I needed to have as a seller, as a leader, as a professional human, mm -hmm. never was taught to me in school. I haven't had to figure out angles of triangles or things like that really ever in my <laughs> life. But I've had to figure out how do I maintain competence as a seller? How do I bounce back from a tough month or quarter? How do I maintain 
joy and happiness and fulfillment in my life and really integrate work and life. So it's not me having to show up as two different people mm -hmm. in my work setting and at my home setting. So I can really show up authentically as a full human. And so for me, I, I got into this by struggling on my own and then going out and doing massive amounts of research. I'm a total nerd for seminars, books, podcasts, all these different things that have really helped to expand my mind to those real skills that can actually make an impact and that I actually need to use every day, like empathy and uh, conversational skills and awareness of other people's feelings and, and how we all operate in the psychology that we have as humans. So my own struggles have really led me through this path of learning. And I now just like working with folks to help them think about how can they get there without having to do all of the heavy lifting on their own or without having to step in the same potholes that I and many other people that I've learned from uh, have stepped in as well. Which totally makes sense, doesn't it? At the end of the day, like, you know, you, you, you've trod those steps. If you can speed the process up, if you can make it easy, that's what that's what people pay for. I mean, that's what business mentors and coaches and everything else are for, to accelerate that learning process. That's exactly it. You know, if we can actually help folks move a little bit faster, get to a point of success or, or the term that I love is stand on the shoulders of giants. It's like, how do I learn from somebody that's already done this and stand on mm -hmm. their shoulders? So now it's a little bit easier for me to see over the wall or to see through that next step or next piece. And that's why I love things like podcasts and all these different opportunities to learn because you may be able to take one nugget or two nuggets that could totally transform your life. And I think that's the thing is, is I've spoken to people and they've been like, oh, that, that sales training or you know I'm not sure and I haven't invested because of this and it's like and then expecting you know I remember speaking to a mentor and we were paying quite a significant amount of money to to talk to them and and the thing was is like sometimes we'd actually get on a call and we'd be there for like you know the allocated slot was an hour and within sort of 20 minutes half an hour we had the information we needed we're all busy people and you know we were like right you know well, let's crack on and do this. This is kind of session done. I did not feel the need to take up my entire hour because you've yep. taken away the nuggets, the information, the guidance that you needed. And I think that's the thing is, is when you are doing training, you know, people say, oh, I've gone to a conference and I've only taken away two or three things. And you're like, well, yeah, but how much are these two or three things worth to your business? You know, like some of these two or three things have, have, have you know, doubled and tripled people's revenue. And you're like spent a whole three days there and I only got like two nuggets of information that totally transformed my business. You're like, are you for real? And that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? It's kind of taking nuggets as you go. Yeah, I, I think there's this thought, uh, there's two different thoughts on this that I'll, I'll share that I really like. Uh, one comes from Tony Robbins. He talks about a two millimeter shift. If mm -hmm. you can make a two millimeter shift uh, as a golfer, I, I like to play a lot of golf. And if you hit that ball two millimeters different on the club, it may end up in a totally different location. You know, way off to the right is where I typically hit it uh, if I miss it by that two millimeters. But if I hit it square, all of a sudden that thing goes totally straight. Same story here works for an airplane. If you were to take off, and I, being in the States, I use the Los Angeles to New York example. But if you're two degrees off in the heading that you take as a pilot, all of a sudden, opposed to ending up in New York, you end up somewhere much further south. And so if you can make this tiny shift in your business, in how you perform, how you operate, all of a sudden you can end up in a place over time as that compounds so much further ahead of where you thought you would be otherwise. And so this is where I find so many people as they try to make change in their life, they're trying to do this massive 
180 degree, you know, massive shift. And yeah. if we can just build small habits and find those small victories and compound them time and time again, day in and day out, all of a sudden that transformation that you can have or the success you can have after six weeks, 12 weeks, six years can go so far beyond where you ever thought you could go. So it doesn't have to be a massive life shift. And I think that's some of the mindset that can help sellers and individuals say like, I only need one really good nugget of information to yeah. help me totally transform where I can be or, or where success or what my life could look like. Exactly. I mean, how many people play the lottery and are like, you know, you're only looking for how many winning numbers. <laughs> no one gets disappointed when they all come in, do they? <laughs> no, not at all. It's, it's like, you know, it, it's very... It's very interesting being able to say, okay, how do we just find these small things that can allow us to completely transform how we sell, how we operate and how we lead. Um, and, you know, I, I may read an entire book, but if I get one great thing that I take away from it, that could yeah. be a success. But yeah. so many people don't even start to read the book. They say, ah, I saw the title. I don't like it. And I've got this belief that I can't tell you whether I'm going to like it or not until I've read it, until I've looked at it for my own self. Uh, and as I go seek and explore, uh, because yeah, somebody else, maybe it didn't hit for them. Maybe they have a different perspective on the world or different background and knowledge that, yeah, they may read something and not get anything from it. Whereas, oh, maybe for me, as I look at it in my own unique perspective in the world, it, there's something that's really impactful there. No, definitely. I, I know that because I, I was thinking as you were, as you were talking around, you know, different things and, and books and nuggets and stuff, what came to mind was the atomic habits book. Um, I presume you've read that one. Yeah. Thought you might have done something. Yep, the, um, those tiny habits, those those small yeah. changes, love it. But actually, you know, like the the last the last chapter in it talks around actually how boring and um, <laughs> consistency is, and and actually, you know, the downsides of habits, and and I found that really interesting, and, and actually listened to it, which is another interesting thing. I'd listened to it as a blinkist, and I hadn't yeah. read the whole book, and it was my husband who read the whole book, and then said to me. Um, oh, the last chapter was really interesting. Now, interestingly enough, not a, not a very big deal, if any, was made out of the blink from from the Blinkist on the last chapter. And so, that's the problem with you know I need to take Blinkist feedback as you know that the synopsis that Blinkist does as a, a sort of indication as to whether or not I need to dive into that book myself because um, mm. it hadn't picked up the messages I would have picked up. Um, as it happened, I got my husband was basically it was one of those books where he'd read a bit and then he oh this is really interesting i found this really interesting and and so that last chapter kind of set with me and, and, and encouraged me to go off and actually read it but it's amazing that actually when you are getting a synopsis of a book you're getting somebody else's take homes um which aren't necessarily yours um so uh, yeah. that was sarah's learning I, so there you go i, I you, think that you, is super powerful have you ever by any chance list, uh, listened or, or read Bill Beswick, the um, Changing Your Story? So 20 life lessons drawn from elite sports. And he's a mindset guy over in the UK. Um, and he just worked with one of our Olympic swimmers, um, which is how I found out his name. Um, so um, I've been listening to his and really, really good um and and i listen to it on audible so and i do it like one and a half to, to two and um, times the speed so i get through it quicker um yep. definitely one that i might even actually purchase it as a paperback and, and highlight because i've 
want to write notes on it but it's i know it's actually potentially going to make it on my bookshelf um so yeah for for everyone listening that that was a really good one but that's about you know taking taking ownership basically of your outcomes um which as i was listening to it you can so relate it to sales it, it, it's really interesting how many and I, I think that's part of my journey as well is how much of the life lessons apply to scale of how do you listen to somebody effectively well yeah my fiance will tell you i'm it's still a work in progress but <laughs> this is something that like all these things around sales interacting with humans understanding our motivations our desires our fears is all around sales and leadership and engaging with people and other humans and so i, I think there's so many correlations between selling in life and how we can optimize what we do in our own life and that yeah. directly impacts our sales yeah. and vice versa. Vice and I think that uh, I, I haven't heard of, of Bill, but uh, I love that whole concept of the stories that we have mm -hmm. and noticing yeah. who we think we are and back to Atomic Habits, he talks about the identity that we have mm -hmm. and really saying that, you know, how do we not just say like, oh, I want to be healthier and lose weight or I want to hit, you know, President's Club. But what are the actions that that type of person and that identity has that actually gets there opposed to like, oh, I'm just forcing myself to get to this one goal. It's like, no, I am a President's Club rep. I am a top performing leader. I am a caring and compassionate uh, partner. Whatever it might be is when we get to that identity and the story is this is a part of us versus like, yeah, I'm just trying to lose weight because it's the new year. Doesn't really <laughs> stick as much. That's why you fail, people. That's why we fail. <laughs> so, just sort of touching on one of the questions that I had for you was, you know, what's your what? Well, was what's your belief on where the ability to sell comes from? Do you think it's learned or do you think it's born? And, and before you answer that one, it, it's to understand where do you think you, you know, where did you start out? Because you, know, you said, you know, it was a learning curve for yourself. Do you feel that you were gifted with great communication skills? Do you feel like you had a lot to learn? Where do you think you sat with that? Ooh, that's a good one. I think sales can be learned by anybody. And so for me, I, I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink's To Sell as Human book that oh, essentially we've all been selling our entire lives. Now, that being yeah. said, I, I think I was really lucky growing up. Uh, my dad ran a, a nonprofit and I would go to a lot of different fundraisers and events and I was an only child and I would have to be there talking to somebody I was, you know, maybe 10, 12, 14 years old. And I'd be talking to a 50 year old guy or, or lady or woman. And I had to get pretty uncomfortable being uncomfortable in those situations mm -hmm. and having conversations with people that were like so far at a different stage of life than myself. And so I think a lot of that was built through that time that gave me the ability to say, yeah, I'm more comfortable having a conversation, communicating with others, uh, being more open. But there are also mm -hmm. times when I, I want to be a total introvert as an only child, and I'm totally happy going and, and sitting you know, in a room by myself silently uh, or whatever <laughs> it may be. And so I, I think it really built a lot over time. And I think anybody can learn to sell yeah. because whether you're a parent that is asking your child to do some sort of task, whether you are, you know, trying to get your friends to, to help you out with a project growing up, like this is all asking somebody else for resources and time, which is selling. And I, I coach a lot of um, 
small business, marketing agency, growth agency owners. And so many of them came from like a technical website developer background or whatever it is. And they're all like, I'm not a salesperson. I don't do sales because there's this slimy, sleazy connotation to sales reps and sales people that people don't want to be associated with sales. But when I talk to them, it's like, you all have been selling for years and years and years, even if it was like, yeah, a friend asked me to build them a website and now I'm going to build, you know, I've got to find another one. Like, great. Yeah. Even when the friend asks you, like you are selling, even if it's something that's subtle and not this like aggressive pushing yourself on somebody, sales is still happening throughout it. So I, I think people can learn it uh, as I believe people can grow and learn and develop with their mindset. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, yeah, that's true. Actually. <laughs> yeah, that, if you'd have gone, no, no, it's, it's born. <laughs> that wouldn't be a great You can never mindset, do it. You can never do it. <laughs> I think it's an interesting one because obviously you never want to take it away from yourself. You know, like as, as a profession, you don't want to be like, oh, you know, anyone can do this. But I remember being in a conversation and they were looking at making the sales team um, clinical specialists. So we would yep. be supporting clinicians in theatres and with rather really complex um, medical cases. And I remember ringing up and saying, you know what, I'm sure about this. And I was like, you know, I, you know, a nurse has been to university and studied for four years to become a nurse. And I was like, I'm not trying to take this away from me, but I'm thinking that if I mess up, it's going to be a bigger deal. <laughs> trying to be a nurse than a nurse messing up trying to be a, a, a you know and I said you know I think if we're going to combine this I think we should probably look at teaching the, the nursing guys to sell rather than getting me to do the nursing thing and um yeah you, you can imagine I was like yeah this not for me honest. <laughs> It's okay. I think that's one of those beautiful qualities is where do we understand? Where can we play at our best? Where can our strengths come out? And I, I to totally understand. I have many weaknesses as well. And some that, yeah, if I wanted to put in the time and effort, I think I, I could improve to an extent. Uh, but where it's like, yeah, you know, I, I know where I can play and I've fallen on my face enough times to know the things that I'm not very good at uh, and where I don't want to invest more time and effort. And that's okay yeah. too. <laughs> I think that's it. It's, it's, it's the round head, you know, round round peg square hole thing, isn't it? Um, that you want to yeah be be aware of. Um, so if you were to um, if you were to give one piece of advice for somebody starting out, what would it be? If they were starting out their sales career, what would you say to them? I would tell them to be as curious as they possibly can be. Go out and learn, search for new information, talk to peers that have done the role before, talk to folks in different industries and just adopt what was told to me is to create and have this attitude of curiosity, uh, to yeah. be a lifelong learner, to go out there and read different books, listen to different podcasts, listen to different speakers, learn about negotiation and psychology and, and find like where do you find your best self showing up? And how can you take those one or two pieces of information along the way and mold that to your own unique skill set? Because you don't have to be that other person, but you may be able to learn from them and take some, some ideas or stand on the shoulders of giants that can enable you to really be your own best self. So I'd tell them, be super curious, 
have this attitude of curiosity and go out and look to learn and grow every single day. Yeah, I like that very much. And, and as far as the sort of mindset concern, as far as people feeling, you know, my, my sort of readership, listenership tends to be people who they run their own business. Um, and, you know, it's very much, oh, that's the sales is the thing they have to do. What, they, what they're good at is their implementation. That's why they've come to the business. That's what they're doing, what they're doing. The sales and the marketing is one of those sort of necessary evils they have to do. Um, how do they kind of switch their thought process on that? How would you go about encouraging them? Oh, I think it's really just a matter of leaning with that passion into the area that you are really excellent at really lean into that skill set of whatever it is that you can deliver or whatever your unique value proposition is because mm -hmm. selling doesn't have to be this forceful aggressive thing if you can find the right niche the right target audience and deliver immense value the sale mm -hmm. can happen now early on you, you may have to pound the pavement a bit you may have to you know be more proactive getting out there before you have your you know first large set of customers or before you have people that can send you referrals or whatever it may be. So I think you got to lean into that selling motion some because nobody is going to sell your story but yourself. And they are the best person to do it, aren't they? Because I speak to a lot of people who they want to get somebody else in to represent them. Um, and you know, I don't want to do the sales. I want to hand the sales over to somebody else. And I'm always like, no, please don't. Because I, my thought process is, is that no one sells your business and no one sells as passionately as you do about your subject area. Yeah, it, it's so true. I, I see that happen a lot. And I coach a lot of these folks that I work with. I'm like, as much as I'd love you to have a sales team and add and grow folks there, like it's going to take those people a long time to ramp up. And they're not going to know and understand the intricacies and the nuances of your business as well as you do. Yeah. And so I, I think there's definitely a time where that comes when you hit, you know, enough scale and enough volume and velocity and revenue to say, oh, yeah, we have to start hiring and specializing in some roles, but so many owners are just scared of sales because of this yeah. sleazy mindset, because of the amount of people that still think of a used car sales person, whenever they think about sales, and as a profession, as professionals in sales in today's day and age, I think there's so much opportunity for sales to be this incredible career for folks yeah. that doesn't have to be looked at as slimy and sleazy and you know aggressive and mean or whatever it's been looked at in the past. And so mm -hmm. I, I think we're seeing a bit of this revolution uh, around sales becoming this much more uh, aspirational profession for many people where it's being taught in colleges and universities and people are actually seeing that, oh, I could be a sales professional when I leave school. And I have the ability to impact people because any business at the end of the day has to make money. Yeah. So knowing how to sell is pretty important. Because if you're not selling, if you're not making money, then it's it's a hobby. You think that's the thing is, is it's and sometimes it's a very expensive hobby. Um, but if it's not generating that income, you need that sales and marketing. Otherwise, it's an enjoyable, you know, an enjoyable, potentially expensive pastime. Um, so, yeah. you know, from the, from the aspirational career, you said, you know, there's a bit of a change of tide with that and people are beginning to look at sales. Where do you think that's come from? So I think the Internet's really helped it a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think when we look at how the buying process has changed over the last 20 years the buyer has become enabled with so much more information and insight before they make a buying decision 
yeah. where historically it was only the seller that had the information and yeah. you couldn't go do price comparisons you couldn't see online reviews you couldn't understand the quality of products and so i think with some of this change in that information dynamic where our buyers are much more empowered our mm -hmm. sellers have to become much more focused on educating and informing than yeah. they have to be on selling and so I think that's really one of the things that's changed when I, I got started. My, my first job out, out of university was um, going and selling yoga clothes for Lululemon in a retail store. And one of the, the things that I, I reflect on always is that we were called educators. We were not called sales specialists or associates. They said, no, we want you to educate people on the value of the product, where these fit in. And I, I think that really set this foundation for me on how can I help people learn and add more value for them because there is so much noise and information out there today. So the more that I can refine down to, oh, what activities are you interested in? What are your goals? What are you looking to accomplish? Great, based upon that knowledge, now I can take my industry expertise or what I've been learning to say, oh, here are the two or three things that really matter the most to you and help mm -hmm. you getting where you wanna go. And so I think that is one of the big shifts that's really helped sales become much more of a helping profession than yeah. a taking profession yeah but it I still has agree. really nice rewards yeah <laughs> well you know the thing is is you know i was talking to somebody earlier on a, on another podcast and you know it's very much around it's reflective you know it's actually quite a fair industry you know the work you put in the effort you make to develop yourself um is reflected in increasing in in income in, in monetary return um you know and potential other perks and work-life balances Whereas other industries, you don't actually get that. It's fair. I mean, it's not as much, um, but it's equally not as. It, it is one of the hardest jobs out there. And also, I think one of the most rewarding. Uh, but, you know, it's like you get through a month or a quarter or a year. And all of a sudden, as a you know quota carrying rep, you're back to zero. And it, you may have had the best <laughs> year on the planet. Or the worst one. And like, either way, you're back to zero. And so it's a, a really fascinating psychological profession when you look at it and you think about how do you motivate individuals? How do, how do you drive sustained success? And I think that is one of the things that we see so much burnout, so much struggle around mental health, uh, really coming through most every profession right now, especially through COVID. But I think many folks again, haven't had those tools to really think, oh, well, how, how do I handle the hard stuff in life that comes up, which is where I do see yeah. a lot of folks that, that really struggle in the sales profession because uh, you got to be able to pick yourself back up yeah. time and time again to be successful. Uh, and that takes a lot of grit, a lot of tenacity. And, and some folks is just, that's not their strength at this point in time. No, no, that makes sense. No, that does make sense. And the thing is, is I think there is a lot more, it's very similar to running your own business in that the, the, the sort of the lines blur and if your head's not in a good place then it's very difficult in some organizations you can get your head down and you can you know you can kind of disappear into the masses whereas there is that magnifying glass on your performance all the time um and although your territory might not go downhill or you know your sales and your business might not go downhill overnight um you do see that knock-on effect um and it is it is very harsh that it can kind of all begin to crumble um and then that can be a very difficult place to come back. It, it can be totally tough. And again, like from my perspective, most of us haven't been taught in school. How do you handle that? 
You know, how, how do you deal with that? You know, how do you find one of the, the things that I, I love, one of the, again, nuggets that I've taken from my own journeys and struggles is uh, create a shameless self-promotion folder or have things printed out. Uh, I, t I interviewed a guy for my podcast the other day who has like all stuff on his wall of like accolades and claims to fame and thank yous from other people. And I, I just had something that I was like, oh, I'm going to save a screenshot of that Slack message that I got and store that in my folder for the days when I'm like, you know, I don't know if I'm like very good at leading meditations or leading mindfulness internally. And I have, and I'm like, I don't know if this is valuable to the company. And then I, I see somebody who's like, I just, today is my first day and I found you and the way that you bring mindfulness into your work and can show up fully. And the, the fact that you're leading meditation sessions for us. And wow, I just want to say that is so cool. And I'm so pumped to be part of this company to see that people are here like you doing this kind of stuff. And it was like, ah, oh, those are the things when, you know, when I'm having a crummy day, when I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And the, the negative self-talk that we all have, sorry, if anybody thinks it doesn't happen or it's only you, I, I it's in my head right now as I'm talking. Uh, but those are the things that again, give you these little tools or, or uh, reminders of, no, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I can build that confidence because we have to, actually build our own confidence yeah and again school never taught me that i just thought people were confident and amazing on their own and it's like oh no you actually had to put in time and effort to develop that and then remind yourself because we've all got this negative chatter going on in our head yeah no no it, that is so true yeah you do go oh, to be a child <laughs> you were just so unaware weren't you my word i think gosh i should have just had a good word with her <laughs> Yeah. Well, I love, uh, so, so in like Buddhism philosophy, uh, in Buddhist philosophy, I, I was in Thailand a couple of years ago and actually my background on my screen is, um, these little Buddhas who are shown as children because they say, you know, as you become more enlightened, you become to have more of this beginners or childlike mindset where you have this curiosity, where you're open to everything. And so I have that on my background as my reminder to, not take things so seriously because I learned so much as a child. I was so curious. And again, as a, whether it's a small, what's it, a business owner, a sales rep and manager, whatever it is, if any of us would have not gotten back up when we were learning to walk, none of us would walk. And yet we get older and we say like, Oh, I can't try that. I can't grow. I can't develop. I can't learn. And it's like, no, we learn by falling on our face. We learn by trying as much as I want to sit and read and study and all these things, actually going out and taking those actions and working to drive a sale in your business, to grow your business, whatever it is. Those are the things where you're going to have to fall in order to grow. Our best learning happens from failure, from stumbling or falling on our face, because the practice of actually picking ourselves back up is when we actually grow and become our best version of ourselves. I, that is very, very true. Yeah. I, thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Again? I'm not, even, I'm not even going to add anything to that. I'm not. It's that, yeah, you know, you're well spot on. Um, I think as a teenager, I said, I remember saying to one of my friend's parents, I said, oh, uh, adults seem to see, where young people see opportunity, adults see barriers. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'd like to think that not all, because I, I remember thinking that people at the age of 40 were really quite old. Um, so um, I don't think, I would like to write off that all adults or all older people are like that. But, but definitely, particularly, 
it's easy. I think it's easy for to add those things up and, and not see those opportunities because, oh, well, life taught me this and life taught me that. And it's like, well, actually, that was one in situation. And I think as a younger person, that naivety and that freshness and that energy you kind of you're not you haven't decided that's written in stone that that's what happens and yeah. so you know, you'll yeah. go out and you'll try again whereas you get older and you see it oh no that's not for me it's not for me and you're like well if you're not going to do it now when are you going to do it um and i think that's the yeah. thing so so yeah no definitely it, it, it's so true and one other thing that science is starting to show us in neuroscience when they look at the brain is the brain is going to and your neurons are going to fire along the pathways that are the easiest that have been traveled the most in the past. And so doing new things becomes harder as we get older. It does. Yeah. Because yeah. we have more of these neural networks and pathways that are already wired that have now been set in stone that we talk about where they are set in our mind. And so it takes a little bit more of that initiative energy to say, I'm going to try something new. And that's why you hear a lot of folks when we talk about like neuroplasticity and the ability for the brain to change, it's like, oh, well, maybe you go drop your kid off at school on the same route every single day. Well, maybe try and take like a different turn every now and then to, again, help your brain be ready yeah. to be more malleable, to be more what they refer to as plastic. So you have this neuroplasticity that enables you to, again, be more open to doing new things and trying different things because so much of what we do becomes autopilot. And that can either be something that sends us on a, a negative downward spiral or, and this is why I love Atomic Habits. If anybody hasn't read it, please, please, please go read that book. It is fascinating the change that you can make. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, James Clear, please. I'll, I'll take you know, a, a dollar. Um, <laughs> but those are where if we can create those things that lift us up versus pull yeah. us down, it all of a sudden shows you this change that you can make in your life and how you can pretty much accomplish anything. But as we get older, it does be get, get harder, which means you've got to be even more cognizant or more intentional about what do you do? How do you spend your time? And how do you even bring the awareness to, oh, I'm holding myself back with that belief. I'm limiting myself Yeah. or no, that makes empowering sense. myself. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jordan. It's been so nice to speak to you. Moving on to selling on a shoestring. You know, the thing is, is that not everybody has massive budgets, um, but you do need leads. Okay. It's a fact without people saying they're interested, putting their hands up and going, yep, I am interested in what you do. There is no, <laughs> the, the, you know, there is no, no inquiries there. There's no leads there in order to convert using sales. So, you know, sales and marketing go so very, very much hand in hand, and it should be a continuous process of feeding back, you know, quality of leads, types of leads, expectation of leads, how warmed up they are, etc. Um, always needs feeding back into your marketing. When you are running your own business, you are the sales, you are the marketing, you are the finance. I mean, thankfully, you don't need really an HR. You, you know, you're in a position where you are in it feeding back to yourself, as it were. But, you know, I would encourage you to make that, that, process actually something that you do on a regular basis um, where you sit down with yourself um, and you think through actually what are the types of people coming through make notes on your CRM um, even if you're just using a spreadsheet make notes on it over the the quality of the lead the type of questions they were asking what they weren't clear about what objections they had what you could be doing earlier on in the sales process to warm them up to make them more convinced so they're more in a position when they come to speak to you to to buy from you and I think that's the thing is is you know my sales approach 
is very much a relationship building, very much being yourself. And I am super keen on making your life as easy as possible. And one of the ways to do that is to warm those people up. A very smart person once said, and I'm not quite sure where this came from, but it's very, very true, that your network is your net worth. Okay, if you're sat there thinking, you know what, January isn't really panning out the way that I was expecting. The phone isn't ringing. The, you know, my emails aren't aren't buzzing. Um, I haven't got the inquiries that I've wanted. You know, the customers aren't coming to you. You need to put yourself out there. And your network, who you know, who you can tap into, what resources you can use, what resources you can share um, and reciprocate the sharing back. You never know where that might lead. And if nothing else, it makes you feel quite nice. You know, you want to you want to figure out your network. You want to invest in that network. And and if you're sitting here thinking, you know what, I don't really have a network. I don't really have key people feeding into my ideal customer. I don't really have contact with influence people who are influence. I'm not going to use the word influencers because people who are labelled as that aren't necessarily the ideal people to work with. Some are, some are brilliant, um, but it's not the be all and end all. But who has an influence in your market that you could be tapping into? With that in mind, if you are thinking, I don't really have that many people, then start doing something about it. Start building those relationships. Um, start you know, giving without expecting anything back as far as you know, contacts and, and people that you are wanting to build relationships with. As far as your ideal customer is concerned, you really need to nail your ideal customer down. If you don't have much budget, you don't have any budget, you're going to have to be really, really accurate with those messages, those arrow little message arrows that you send out. There's no point you not hitting the mark on it. Hitting the mark on it means that you are in a position where you're resonating with those customers, you're getting them interested and you're attracting their attention. If you're using a scattergun approach where you're just sticking something out and hoping that it sticks with that customer, then you know you are going to be using up a lot of energy. Um, and that's the thing with selling on a shoestring is if you haven't got budget, then it's going to take, so basically you don't have financial resource available, then you're going to have to use your time resource. You're going to have to use your own energies. You're going to have to use a different type of resource, a different type of currency. You don't generate interest. You don't generate energy within your ideal customer. Um, it's a bit like electricity um, by not putting something in. You have to have an input. You need to be prepping that ideal customer. If again, you're thinking, oh, no one's really raving about me. No one's interested. Then do something about it. Start putting out content, start putting out value, start putting out information that is going to add value to that other person. Um, show them what you're made of, show them what value you can bring um, and starts getting their attention. So, you know, you're metaphorically jumping up and down in front of them, letting them know this is me. This is what I do. You know, likening it to dating. It, you're a bit like you're sat at home on the sofa without even an internet connection expecting somebody to appear. Um, that's just not going to happen. You need to take matters into your own hands and make it happen. So, you know, warm people up, start making those relationships. If you are in need of expanding your network, expanding your horizons, getting in contact with more potential customers, um, you know, cold outreach can be a thing that you can try. And, and that would be one of the things that I would encourage you to think about. It can be painful. You are going to get lots of no's because at the end of the day, these people aren't receptive 
to um they haven't you know they haven't said i'm interested remotely interested and so a lot of them aren't going to be receptive to what you're selling or the approach that you're making but do it in the right way do it in a friendly manner respect their time respect where they're at and they will potentially remember you if you can get them onto an email list if you can provide them with a resource that will be of value to them in return in exchange for their email then you can start warming them up and and getting them um, more into your world more understanding what you do cold outreach is really a, a really decent tool um it's a tough gig i won't deny it um but approached in the right way ringing up somebody who's never been in touch with you before just for you know clarity um is cold outreach so you know getting in in, in contact with them letting them know what you do and how you can help them is a really great way of getting things sorted okay so cold outreach is you approaching somebody who hasn't put their hand up hasn't paid any interest in your brand you are reaching out to them you're making contact email phone call in order to let them know that this is what you this is what you do this is how you can help them and it can really open doors you are going to get as i say a lot of no's but if you're polite if you respect that they didn't ask you to ring. Um, you are interrupting their day. Um, they weren't expecting your call. They weren't expecting your email. Um, then you know you can get places with that, um, and it and it can create opportunities. You know, at the end of the day, being successful, you've got to put in the effort. You've got to put in the work. It's not just going to land at your feet. You have to put in the time and energy. As well as cold outreach for being proactive for future, these people aren't going to turn around and potentially buy from you straight away. If they do, I'd be very suspicious. If you can turn somebody super quickly into buying from you, you've either got an incredible offer, a crazy low price, or a very fickle customer. Um, So please do keep that in mind. It is, you know, it's something that will come come to fruition, but it's probably not, well, it's not going to be as quick as your potential quick wins, which are old leads and historical purchases so people which have bought from you historically are way more as long as they've had a good experience likely to buy from you again okay that goes for them referring you as well if you're selling something that we've just bought a mattress which has a 30-year guarantee i do not intend to buy another mattress for 30 years surprise surprise bearing that in mind if, if, if your customer is similar to that in that they are not in a position to uh, buy from you on a regular basis, then they can refer people to you. They can be your champions. They can be the person who's cheerleading, saying these guys are great, you want to buy from them. Don't underestimate getting back in contact with historical buyers and asking them to re- recommend people um, to you and potentially incentivizing that can make a massive difference. Equally old leads, contacting people who went cold before Christmas because they got waylaid with Christmas stuff, winding down for Christmas. They thought, you know what, I'll think about that in the new year and they haven't got back to you yet. Get back in contact with those people. This is a perfect week to do that and be like, you know, hey, are you still interested in this? A simple email like that can generate so much interest what i do want to say here is please don't get so desperate that you start dropping price and giving stuff away for free it's super important that you respect the value that you provide if you start dropping your price it is a downward spiral okay you are not it's going to be difficult then to start getting a viable price for your offering um 
And then, you know, you end up attracting people who aren't your ideal customer, who don't value what you do. And then you end up on that hamster wheel of implementation. So busy working in your business, implementing and meeting those demanding customers needs that you don't manage to attract actually decent customers who would pay um, what you're worth. That's it for me this week. I feel like it's a little bit whistle stoppy. I'm afraid, you know, from a time point of view, I don't want to go into too much detail on those different elements. But if you do want more clarity or if you'd like me to do a future podcast on any of those topics, so, you know, the um, your ideal customer, your building your network, warming up um, and starting relationships, cold outreach, your quick wins through old leads or historical purchases or protecting your value, then please do let me know and um, get in touch with me on my page. I've got the Selling Without Sleeves podcast page. I've got Sarah Johnny Jarvis page, Selling Without Sleeves. So, you know, please do um, get in touch with me there or join my group, Selling Without Sleeves. And, you know, you can ask questions and and request um, me covering certain topics. I am happy to do that. So next week, we're going to be looking at assessing your January. How has it gone so far? How has it been for you? And some homework ahead of next week is to looking out at figuring your numbers. So when you look at how many leads, how many customers you had um, last year, how many leads, how many inquiries did you receive? Now, if you have a CRM system, then you should be able to look that up. If you don't, then I'm going to do a little bit on that next time. You know, how many of those leads that you got in for the last 12 months did that you convert? How many became paying customers? Okay. And then what I want you to do is look at the number of customers you had, look at the total revenue from last year and divide that by the number of customers you had to determine roughly how much a customer is worth to you. Okay. Now, you know, that isn't necessarily your lifetime customer value because the lifetime customer value can expand over a number of years. It gives you a rough idea over how much each customer is worth to you financially. So if you can prepare that for me for next week, that is your homework. So how many leads that you've had in the last 12 months, basically inquiries, you should be able to get that from your CRM. How many of those converted into paying customers? You should be able to see that from um, the number of customers you've got on your invoicing system, if nothing else. Um, but ideally, again, CRM should tell you that. And then your average spend per customer by taking your revenue, dividing it by the number of customers you looked after last year. Without further ado, let's have a little chat with Rain. So you're doing that the one-to-one sessions on the couch with Rain Hitchman. Those, those on the, the couch ones. on the couch with Rain Hitchman. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, just an open clinic, and anybody can come to that with any any issue or any problem you might have. Um, anything, whether it be business or relationships, whether it's uh, kids, uh, fears, anxiety, lack of confidence. Whatever it is, on the couch with Rain Hitchman, I'm here to help. So uh, anybody can come along to that. Are they the Are they sort of sessions where you'd help them with the skills, or is it like literally like a get it off your chest kind of scenario? Great question. I think um, some people just need to talk. Some people just need somebody to talk to that has skills, knowledge, and experience that can help them. And um, it's the first place to start is just to really voice those fears, those thoughts, those anxieties, those concerns about themselves or even about somebody else they care about and just have that sounding board. 
Um, but, you know, in, in terms of what might happen next, we might then, you know, talk about specific ways I can help uh, with specific skills, knowledge or, my, or mindset. So it's uh, the opportunity to use it for whatever purpose you really need to. And has that been inspired by all this lockdown and what's going on with people's heads at the moment? Absolutely. So um, I'm a volunteer. I work with the NHS and with the Royal Voluntary Society. And um, this, so, I, so I'm a responders, NHS responders responder. So I work with people who are responders around their mental health and around issues. Ah, okay. And I um, and and then in my 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 business, I also um, do a lot of coaching, and my my coaching moves into sort of neurotherapeutic coaching as well. So I do spend a lot of my time talking one to one with with leaders, with 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 people um, from all backgrounds and ages, and there's a lot of commonality in terms of you know the anxiety and concern lack of confidence people feeling safe not feeling secure not feeling in control and being very uncertain and just needing to have somebody to help them to give them some some different kind of skills a different understanding about about why they're feeling the way they're feeling something else you know so it has I have been inspired to, to think okay so what what can I offer? What can I offer? Um, what value can I bring uh, that can really help people moving forward to a better place? The, the sort of pressures on people and the level of stress and, you know, what people are experiencing, you know, it hasn't happened before. Um, and, you know, so people are struggling. Um, and, you know, you're talking to people and I think, you know, they're struggling more and more. And I think we, the, the guest that we had on last week, Jason, he was talking about the fact that, you know, it, to start with, people had that fear of, well, death and, you know, serious illness. And so there was that sort of heightened sense and there was that sort of purpose around it. But as time goes on, um, you know, sadly, in a plus way, you know, it's kind of a bit of both. You kind of get used to that element of it. And it becomes less about the fight or flight thing and more about this normal. And then it's you settling into that normal and, and, and getting your head around it, isn't it? And the restrictions and everything else. Oh, yeah, you make a really, really good point, Sarah. I think the, the, the problem is that we're, we're now, we've moved in away from a sort of like a pulling together. That's what happened in the first lockdown. We all sort of pulled, pulled together. There'd been a lot of, you know, sort of um, disagreement and... Um, um, because of Brexit, because of you know sort of terrorism, because of the technological and, and, and uh, digital uh, revolution that's that happened from 2014, we interact, get our information in very different ways. It's a lot of politics and fake news, etc. It's all it's all very very confusing, and or, you know and around climate change, etc. And I think that the first lockdown, we absolutely all started to pull together and became better people, more harmonious. Then at the second lockdown, you know, we started getting a bit fed up. Now we're in the third lockdown and it's total lockdown fatigue. And we've moved into a place where we're existing, not living. And that lack of direction, that lack of certainty, that lack of control, our personal freedoms have been taken away from us. And this feeling that we don't know what's coming. We can't plan. How can you plan for a future you can't predict? And that's really what we're, we're all suffering with. And we're just so fearful for the ourselves our people we love and care about our situations our you know our job situations 
I mean, seventy-three percent of people who are, who are on furlough have said that their mental tough, their mental health has has actually really truly suffered. Seventy-three percent. Yeah, this is from Mind, and um, the NHS are in their second year of um, of the fastest expansion they've ever experienced around mental health care, and that's clinical mental health. So we already we already had a problem, and now it's just been compounded by. You know the, the environment, the ecology, the the situations that we're living in and struggling with, really. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. I mean, it is, it is, it is tough going, isn't it? It is, you know, even for, for the normal person. And I think, yeah. as you said, around the uncertainty, you know, like you you're used to looking forward to holidays and you know days out and and things like that, and you just don't know, you don't know when you're going to be able to do those again. And I think. You know, there is a sense of a light at the end of the tunnel because of having a vaccine, but even that feels like a bit of a roller coaster because then you have all these different variants and that kind of puts into question. So you've gone from the emotional, oh, there is light, well, maybe there isn't, you know, and then that's under threat. And then it's the unknown, isn't it? Um, and so, you know, we've had to rebook holidays and then rebook them again. And and it's just everything's moving and you think, well, we had to rebook it last time. There's nothing going to stop us from having to do it again. And I think... Just there's nothing to break up that it does feel quite groundhoggy, doesn't it? It does. It's it's monotonous as well. Yeah, it's you do the same old, same old, same old. I mean, my husband's a key worker. He go he gets up, he goes out to work. Everybody's telling him you should be staying at home, but he's out there working every day. So he's got you know, it makes him feel a bit a bit uncertain. But then he comes back home and then he's he's locked he's locked in. So um for me, I work from home all day, every day. And very rarely go out, so we're kind of at both two ends of a different spectrum, <laughs> the same spectrum. Sorry, and um, you know, so 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 I I, I yeah, I just I, I'm struggling with the monotony and and shielding, and and I think so. I you know I really understand how people are feeling where they you know they haven't been out hardly at all for like a year. The, the social interactions are are really minimal, and so you you know building coping mechanisms and strategies is really important to maintain your your mental health and and levels of happiness and being able to continue to perform and deliver and and you know achieve your goals and I think those are the strategies that you know we need to make people aware of and to, to help them I've, I've done lots of work with my husband and with, with the council etc to sort of help those people key workers who are out there um, having to deal with this you know go completely counterintuitive be out there, you know, in the public and in, and uh, and you know perform their roles, um, and it's really just about harnessing and taking hold of your your emotions and understanding the biology and the you know psychology, the neuropsychology, if you like, so the biology and also the psychology of what's happening to us and how we can actually take control back of that with some very simple steps and mechanisms to so that we can, you know, deal with pressure, challenge, change stress, fear, and still work through and still drive forward and re-find that motivation and joy and happiness and, and well-being. Uh, so, and, and, and that's really what my whole purpose is, 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 is about, especially at the moment. This is your time to shine, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, the brain's always looking for, you know, sort of think threat and, and, and looking for, you know, fear to keep us safe. But the brain also, if you program in the right way, is also looking for opportunity. And there is always opportunity. And 
um, to make a difference and to it is about just reconnecting with that optimism and positivity, building resilience and positivity both together, which is what mental toughness is all about, which is obviously what I specialise in. And that's why I got you on today was because, um, you know, was talking around we've been talking around customer relationships and you know dealing with the scenarios and supporting people whilst this is going on but you know you've got that saying of you know you can't pour from an empty cup and you have to sort yourself out first and and to be fair you know you can't absorb or or support you know you are when you did when you're talking to somebody who is struggling you do tend to absorb it that little bit because you're having that conversation about it and it can very quickly get you down um, if you weren't already and then, you know and then you've got the other side of the scenario where you know you yourself aren't feeling in a great place and then how are you supposed to support somebody during that and so I thought it was a really good time to get you on and to talk around you know we've worked together and you know we've gone through the 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 mindset and the resilience stuff um to you know from a personal point of view um and you know what I found really useful with the information that you provided was is that it helped me if I can understand it I feel more in control um and I remember talking to you and and saying to you you know I I don't want to end up in that negative place I have done before and you were like well it's a choice um and it you know it was put very simply but it is and and to feel that actually yeah you know I feel a little bit I won't say the word don't worry Jacob but you know I feel a bit rough today um with what we're going with but you know a bit sad um, it begins with S, but we all know what it is. Um, you know, <laughs> but you know, you feel that a little bit rough, and and it's like, well, yes. okay, I can do something about it. I can make that change. Um, mm. And so that's where we are. Percy has been fed. I'm in the middle of a podcast. Mm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 no, Comedy moment. <laughs> That's a comedy moment. That's an outtake. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was like a near-death experience happening in the house with one of the children. <laughs> the dog is lying to Martin. <laughs> you know what, Jacob? Just keep that bit in if you want, love. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, being aware and being equipped with your own happiness. Um, you know to find amusement in in a scenario like that um it's always, it's always there I've just got to look for it. for it haven't you you know because even yes. you yeah. know taking that as an example which you know right on yes. cue actually to be fair I could have got really <laughs> annoyed um another word to bring to mind but you I could have got really mad with that but I didn't I chose to find the funny side of it and I think exactly that's it it's the choice it's the light. and it's actually yeah. quite empowering to you know, having yeah. had conversations and gone through stuff with you, it's very mm. empowering to mm. feel like actually I can choose my mood. I think it's very easy to think yeah. your emotions control you and they manage you, mm. but actually, mm. you know, you can you, you can get. A it's it, it, it's yeah. It's all it's all about education. You know, uh, knowledge is power. Yeah. And um and and as soon as you realise the simplicity of how the brain and the body works. And how that affects your mindset, and how that therefore changes your behaviours and the outcomes you get, and the and the reactions and the interrelationship your, your relationships, um, it becomes really a really simple, easy equation. So it's so what I'm all about is raising awareness. Um, so so very simply teaching people what's going on, why it matters, and how you can you, how you can reverse engineer it, which is 
what's so wonderful about neuroscience at the moment is that we're we've we're discovering all these incredible um you know facts about the way the way that the body works and and then how and and basically how to take control back of that get back in the driving seat of your emotions choose your outcomes choose your emotions and choose even biology choose the chemicals that you're releasing into the body in the moment and I teach people how to do that rid of well the whole thing yeah. that, so so one of our sessions that um, that I, I did with Rain we went through and and, and you taught me different techniques um mm. and um yeah one of those techniques I called the finger lever which I don't think was the technical term um but you that's know, whatever you like my love the children as well um but you know use the finger lever technique um and so you know it, it is about being aware of how you know you can work with your mind and how you can you know even if it's not a case of because you can get into a battle with your head can't you where you're like no I want to feel like this and you end up almost arguing with yourself whereas actually there are techniques that you can do with movement of your body to help you get a change of state absolutely because it's all about the chemicals that are being released into the body when you know what those are and what effect that has to the negative and to the positive you can choose to release the positive <laughs> chemicals and and hormones and um and and there's kind of like certain mixes that will make you feel certain ways so you want to be, feel really confident uh, before a difficult situation or a difficult conversation where you want to be in, you know, the most charismatic and you want to be, you know, uh, come across really powerfully, um, then you, there's, a, there's a certain cocktail mix that you release into the body. And you can do that just by, yeah, as, as I said, as you say, you know, changing your, changing your posture, changing your, change, uh, doing certain poses. Yeah. And um, so, and that, those are the sort of things that, that, I, that I, you know, teach people to do. So there's, there's, there's always a real, so, you know, sort of sense of agency, so that you can you can be empowered, but you can you can be um, self determining, is what I call it. Whereas nice. this is how I want to be, this is how I need to be, this is how I want to be, feel, but how I want to be perceived. What do I need to do to do to get that? And this, these are the simple techniques. This is the this is the the cocktail mix. This is the recipe I need to follow for two minutes prior to this and. I will achieve that state and we can be that much in control and I think the, the other thing is that's really important is that for me is that you don't have to keep coming back to me once you know this once I've taught you this you, it's for life you go away you can come back and ask me other things and I'm always here for you but but the point is is that you then have all the power within yourself it's equipping you isn't it you're providing me with a toolkit yeah I encourage you to share it with your family. This isn't about keeping it all to myself. This is about I want to get this out there, raise awareness, enable adaption and adoption, and you know, and then spread it viral, virally around the world, so that everybody can benefit from this. And that's really that's really what's important to me. But yeah, you can share it with your family, with your friends, you can share it um, with your colleagues, and everybody can benefit from it and feel more harmonious and happy and higher performing so that's right. that's the gift <laughs> so when we were talking so you tend to talk around a system where it's like different zones yes and within those zones you've got different things going on and you've got different different feelings and different stuff can you talk us through a little bit just top level about that absolutely so um I like to keep it really simple really relevant and easy to apply so 
I talk about um, the the different zones that you go into. So you've got your green zone, your amber and red zone, and then your blue zone. Your green zone is where you are working at your optimal state. Your your body, your brain, your mind, everything is working totally harmoniously. You have total um, access to every part of your your brain, whole for whole brain thinking. You're highly creative, highly logical, and you can you can come up with creative ideas, innovations, and strategies there then to implement it and planning and um, sort of all the complete to finish a piece and all the language that's in there and decision-making. Um, the body is working optimally, so you're breathing really well, so you're, you're using, utilizing all your oxygen. You are in a really, really happy, harmonious state, and that means that you interact in the most happy and harmonious way, so your relationships are at their best. You're noticing you've got the emotional valence, you're noticing the nuances in your relationships, your conversations, and it keeps you positive, future-focused, uh, and resilient. And your, all, of your, all of your neurobiology is working perfectly as well. So you're not feeling stressed, you're not, you're not stressing the heart or the blood, um, uh, the, you know, um, you're, not, uh, you're not creating, you're, your immune system is, is working at its optimal level as well. So you are at the highest level of productivity and wellness. So the going is good. That is where you want to be. And the, that, that is absolutely fantastic. And that's where you're, any human endeavour you're involved with, you will be more at your most successful, uh, whether that's education, work, relationships, etc. So that's where we all want to be. However, because, because the, we're in a, a very threatening world, we're in a very, very, you know, sort of changing world and, Everything's very fast-paced and it makes us feel out of control. Part of our part of our brain is is created and only set up to, to keep us, you know, well, uh, thriving and safe. As soon as the brain picks up the perception of any kind of threat or anything that might damage us, uh, whether it be internally in our own thinking or from the environment externally, there are certain things that happen in the body that take you into a hypervigilant state. And that's where you go into your amber, amber area. And as you go into amber, you might start feeling um, a little bit more uh, anxious and concerned and start looking around for things that are wrong and trying to make sense of why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. But the more that you go into the amber zone and then into the red zone, which is where you sort of got this, this anger, frustration, irritation, and where you start to feel that you really are under attack, the parts of the brain that you want to be able to access to um, give you the, the rational thought, the language, the, 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 the emotional valence, all of these different things that you need to, to access actually get closed down and shut, shut away as the body does move into this fight and flight flight stage, which is mm. all we want to do is keep you safe. And we don't want you thinking. We don't want you to have all this other capability. We just want to get ready to act. Respond, isn't it? Respond, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Respond. So, but that's, but it's quite often, it's not real. It's just our own our perception or our thoughts or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small thing. Like, you know, you're going to have to make a presentation. You don't like doing presentations or... Gonna have to your your boss has asked you to come in for a for a performance management conversation and you immediately think, oh, 
I'm, am I going to be put on furlough or what am I going to, what's going to happen to me? I'm, I, you know, whatever it might be. So it's quite an old school. It's quite a sort of prehistoric response, yeah, isn't it? it, to, it is. to a modern stimulus. And I think that's the thing. It's a stimuli is, you know, it, it's, that's why you, you lack the scale and the proportion to, to, to get it important, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think that's the that's the, 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 the it's brilliant what you've just said because actually it's not it's not about it's it's not about whether there is a threat or not. It's about our inability to determine how how threatening the threat is to our lives. <laughs> We're not about to know. <laughs> so, and we sort of like completely overreact like a diva, just ah, and uh, and and that unfortunately what happens. But the the problem is that over time, the more that we feel like that, and and because there is a clear and present danger. There is a clear and present threat. It is real. It's not just perceptual. It's actual. Um, so we're now all have started to move into this hypervigilant state. So we're we're much more often spending our time in the red and the amber zones, which is taking away our capacity for our motivation, our energy, um, this the stress hormone cortisol that's released into the body over time. Um, it, suppresses the immune system and then we start getting ill and of course we don't want to be immunosuppressed at this time especially we need to be as our healthiest and uh, our healthiest and most resilient as possible so and over and over time the more that the part of the brain that allows you to come up with options and ideas and find your way and solutions you'll find your way out of difficulty gets shut down you actually then start to feel depressed and hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, you then that then starts to become a clinical um, mental health issue. And that's where you go into the blue zone. And quite often you'll, you'll see people, you're having duvet days, you know, just staying under the duvet. I'm not even going to come out today. Just feeling very depressed. <laughs> they don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes you can't, not allowed to feel like that. <laughs> even though when you would actually your body would be saying, you know what just have a day off just just, just reset. be kind to yourself well you can't because you've got these these activities you know you're homeschooling or you're for instance you know let's not even go there you're, you're presumably that pushes you more and more into the body because you can't even do what you so need you end up spiral what we call spiraling um and and you can actually end up just giving up and unfortunately we're seeing you know, a lot of um, a lot of issues around. You know, there's, there's a huge increase in in suicides and in mental, yeah. real clinical mental health issues and self harming, substance abuse, whatever, whatever your drug of choice is, whether it be food or alcohol or drugs or gambling or high risk taking, whatever it might be. We're yeah. seeing that because people are just trying to, or television actually, by the way, and television is a huge one. Really? Absolutely. Where, but, people, so my Bridgerton binge was actually me coping with that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, it's, because it takes you away into this fantasy world, but it also takes you into something called an alpha state, which which is a really comfortable place to be, where you're, where you're not even aware of what's going on out there, and you escape. And um, and that's part of it, escaping from the reality. And it's as an avoidance tactic as well as where just go and watch the television and, and but it, it, became, it becomes a habit a really uh, a, and it keeps you away from doing the other things you should be doing so it's it, so it, and it becomes a bit of an attention not good um but these are ways that our body are trying to cope and you know, just 
just yeah. calm calm ourselves try to take, take ourselves back so what we so what I teach people is to recognize the signs when you're going into these different from the from the green into the into the red and amber and the blue and take people from the blue back into the red and amber and then and then into the green and keep you in the green for as much as possible that is that is the whole purpose of what I do that then has a, a, a neurobiological effect on the body, so you're healthier and, and happier, um, and affects your mindset and your behaviours, so that your mm. relationships higher performance, and um, that you're able to still keep motoring forward. And no matter what life throws at you, you just keep running, moving forward. And this is what the you know the highest performing athletes and anybody who's really successful. Um, leaders, for instance, you know, in business, CEOs, uh, the highest uh, academic achievements, sporting achievements, they have this mental toughness um, and they are able just to keep going forward, keep going for goal, keep focused, highly motivated and energised and moving towards these goals. And and that keeps them at their, their, their highest levels of of well-being as well so they, they don't get sick they don't get ill they, they, they yeah they're keeping that green zone they're in the green zone so that's what we want to that makes that makes a lot that makes a lot of sense so you know as far as sort of keeping yourself there I was I was I was trying to interrupt you by the way in the blue zone where I was trying to tell you about my Bridgerton need to watch that Oh, yes, well, <laughs> if you're going to take yourself off into a fantasy land, at least make it with a decent male lead. I was going to say, lots of reasons to be watching Bridgerton. <laughs> I don't know if it's a reflection on me or not, but I didn't find it that rude. <laughs> well, there we are, you see. It's just. I, was, I think because, you know, you get the hype. And so I was expecting it to be like some sort of, I don't know, you know. Um, historical yeah. these set yeah. you know 50 shades but it's just, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I think we've been I, th- I think we've been so it's been so normalized now we've been so exposed to so much <laughs> you know we've desensitized you know being, we've been exposed to so much terror and so much sex and so much of everything <laughs> that, you know it's all uh, 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 and <laughs> did you watch Game of Thrones no no you see Game of Thrones all of a sudden like you know incest you were just like oh yeah well okay it's, it's his sister it doesn't matter you're like no, of course it matters it's his sister <laughs> but you're right you do you do get desensitized, desensitized. and it's yeah. about normalization and that's you know the, the, the more we see and the more we experience something with the, the more normal it becomes the more we talk about it the more normal it becomes and that's a that's a really interesting human behavior as well by the way which is why if we need to be talking about mental health. We need to be talking about. Um, we need to be talking about diversity and inclusion and and mm. um, and because the more you talk about it, the more normal it becomes. The more becomes, yeah. And the less sensitive, sensitive we become about it as well. So, no, that definitely. We've all got to be watching Game of Thrones and political, social, and economic improvement. That, that'll be more than a duvet day. That'll be like a duvet week. That'll be a duvet week. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so well and truly in that blue zone yeah. with like delivery on tap. Yeah. But, but you know, do you think that this because you, you know you you get desensitized to things and it becomes a new normal? Do you, you know? Do you think 
that it will have changed the lockdown will have changed because I feel my habits you know you have to remind yourself what you used to do before you feel that there's something missing yes but you're not you're becoming less and less aware you know people talk about nine weeks to create a new habit and it's been like how many months yeah um what are your thoughts on that Right, so uh, and this is a really, really important point that you make there, Sarah, because, yes, we've, we're all creating new habits for our new normal, and, and a lot of them aren't good. Uh, okay. So, you know, so how do you, how do you get your joy and your enjoyment? You know, the, I think the people are turning to a lot, either turning to food and drink, which is, it, it, which is a fact. <laughs> and I think the, the COVID stone is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> or they're trying to take control back and so they're getting eating disorders of a different type which is not eating enough and yeah. getting very crazy but also the fear of going outside and the not knowing what mm-hmm. they can do and can't do so because of lockdown uh, regulations and so you know um there are two camps i i one one of my um associates who works with me she's 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 a mental health um um mental toughness um He's a keynote speaker and she's, she's, she's an ex-athlete. And she has taken the opportunity to go hyper into control. She feels so out of control. So she's created this structure around health and fitness, which is at an athletic level of, of health and fitness. So she set herself a target to run three marathons in three days. Yeah. She's going to do. Now, she was like, a, you know, fairly, once she came out of, out of her sport, and went into presenting and doing various different things. And so she's, you know, she's she was a, I would, I would say, you know, quite a fit and healthy person, but not a super healthy person, super athletic. She has turned herself back into an athlete, and it's the way she's taken control. So that's kind of 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 the spectrum. And the other mm-hmm. the spectrum is, you know, sort of just being locked down, shield, and and just getting out of all those lovely habits of exercise and eating healthily yeah. and. Um, and so I think we have to we have to sort of remember that we're coming out of this and it's going to take us it, it has taken us a year to get to where we are now and our bad habits it's going to take us a year to get out of them but let's That's start really taking control now and my biggest um, tip if you feel uncertain and out of control is to create structure and because that gives that gives you the feeling of control. So set a schedule for your day. If you've got your husband, your partner, your your wife, your whoever it is living and working with you and you didn't used to do that and you've got children as well, set literally schedule the whole day so you've got time where you're going to come together and, and be as a family or together. Um, set time um, for when you're going to work, when you're going to do your, your reading, when you're going to eat work out what you're going to eat in advance, that'll, that'll give you an, an enormous sense of, oh, I can control. There are certain things you can control. And the thing can control. Set your time for your, um, for your uh, exercise as well, so that you are exercising through the day, whether it's a, just even it's a walk out, get some vitamin D, get some sun, some serotonin, yeah. some happiness hormone from the sun. Not a lot of it out at the moment, but the cold, the cold weather... Will actually build some mental toughness, resilience. Brain <laughs> <laughs> suggesting you go out there without any clothes on, guys. <laughs> yeah, in the snow. It's the wind. <laughs> I love that. There is, there is, yeah, guys. There is a, 
rolling around in the snow. <laughs> it was an absolute direct rec- uh, connection between pushing yourself into out of your comfort and doing something that's uncomfortable um, that builds your resilience and builds your ability to deal with pressure. So that's something else. You know, even if you set, if you put your 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 shower on cold for the last two minutes, freezing cold, you know, just push yourself, make make yourself do it. If you're doing sit-ups, just do two more, three more, four more, so that you actually get to a place where you feel discomfort, and you'll find that you can. It'll build your muscle, but it also build your resilience and your mental toughness and your 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 strength, your hardiness. So it's like your sense of achievement, isn't it? That you've, and, you've done it. And you've got a sense of achievement, but it actually does build the the resilience muscle, which is the function in the brain. So it's um, it'll help you be much more hardy and you know sort of uh, grit, give you that determination, yeah. and you'll find you can do more. It's very easy to slack off and just go, oh well, I can't help. You know, I'm out of control. I'll just let it all happen to me. But the more you do that, the more you'll start, you'll start moving into the red and amber and then into the blue zone. And, yeah, that's difficult to come out of. Um, it's a little bit like I'm going to liken this now because, you know, how I love my metaphors. Yes. Um, birds of prey. I don't know if it goes for all birds, but I do know that birds of prey, you can, you know, if you think about it, they're, they're flying around, you know, when they're in captivity, they're in their flight, they're in their aviaries. And then, you know, they will flatter. They will flap, mm. you know, when they're on your hand, mm-hmm. they'll flap. Um but if you actually cover them with a towel, yes, and you put them into darkness mm. and they're they're held, yes, they will calm down. And I've seen them where they are lying there on their backs with their little mm. they look very with their little feet up mm. and they're just totally because they've just totally given up. Don't doubt. Like they, they think there's just nothing I can do about this. So basically I'm gonna like look, act dead, really. Yes. I'm just gonna give them, yes. I'm just gonna yes. relinquish this and hope it doesn't you know hurt as much as I thought it might yeah um, that's and that's go, um, that's absolutely going to the blue zone and that's it that they are there that's that that's them in the blue zone when it's, and actually the flapping and the that, that is the fight or flight that's bit the fight and flight bit absolutely and then you've got them in the green zone mm. where they're they're there they're looking for food and they're really on it and I think you know when you were talking around it that's what sprung to mind for me is I thought I'd share it with everybody no, that's, um, that's perfect that's, that's really I like I like that that's lovely but it, it, it's kind of nice to visualize yeah. like actually yeah. this, is, this is the sort of stages that you're in totally. um, yes and and yeah. <laughs> am I flapping around like a bird <laughs> or am I, have I just given up um and you know what then it's thinking about mm. you know obviously what you can do and I think you know you've made some suggestions that I really like I like to kind of we like to pop some homework in there when we can um with the podcast for people to go away and just give it a whirl and I think yes. what you suggested there with um you know being able to um take that bit more control and, and build that mental toughness and challenge yourself and yes is to do something that little bit more yes. or to do something that is uncomfortable and realize you can do it and it's that's empowering yeah absolutely and, you know and log it log it down you know and I think that's that's part of the you know journaling is is, is you know everybody knows that that's really really useful to just yeah. just notice um, raise your awareness. Notice how you're feeling. What's happening on these days? What's what's triggering that? Um, and you start to become more connect, reconnected with your mind, your brain, and your body, and uh, become more aware of what's going on. Once you start to become more aware of it, then you can you measure it, you track it, and you can change it. So you'll suddenly start realizing. Um, my mum was saying to me <laughs> the other day, "No, because you know I've, I don't understand why I put this weight on." And you know. Don't really like treats or you know sweets or anything 
occasionally it's really nice. And I said, so how often is your occasion, is your occasionally occasional? <laughs> and she, so I said, just, just write it down. And she wrote it down and she suddenly realised that almost every day she was having a, a sweet treat and she... <laughs> she, she had some of some of the sweet treats that she was having, like eight hundred calories. Yeah, it, I mean, really, like condensed milk, um, caramel cake, for instance. <laughs> oh well, I've just had a little bit, you know. And uh, and and so she started writing it down. She suddenly realised that you know what she was actually putting in her body and it measuring it. And well, I only eat once or twice a day. But what is it you're eating? What are you putting in? You know, it's just that sort of thing. Or, or, oh, I feel sad today. Today I'm having a down day. Why am I having a down day? So what happened? What's happening? And actually, really looking into it for yourself, and and just writing down your feelings and your thoughts. I've, I've got some. I've got some uh, little um, power poses and uh, poses and and, and um, brain hacks that can actually help you to process that information and get rid of it. And so I so you could actually you know sort of move on and and to to be to get yourself. Like keeping it constructive, but the but the um, but but it starts as I say with with raising your awareness and starting to notice rather than exist, start being present with yourself and 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 noticing what's happening with yourself, and also with it with with others as well. So you can start seeing patterns start to to occur. And how do you feel when you do have gone for that walk, even if it's ten minutes? How do you then feel when you listened or watched that? that comedy program and laughed a bit um uh, you you took some time away from from the, your your desk and from your work and you you connected with the family noticing the joy that you we never, we, never, we never were able to do this because I was off at work all the time you know and but now you know mum and dad and uh, and the family they're together so just notice it and enjoy it and celebrate it um and you know I've got a, I've got something called a 21 day happiness program which I'm really happy to give away you know, to anybody who'd like to to receive a copy of it, and it's just these sorts of things that you can do every day for the next twenty one days to take you from a sort of like a darker place or a, or a, a feeling of being out of control or just not being happy or you know having some bad habits and help to reprogram your brain. What you say, what you do, what you think, you are programming the brain, which is your computer, and it's like you're writing your own code, and you can write bad code or you can write good code. So start noticing it. It'll make a huge difference to you. Um, all you have to do is track it and measure it and change it. That makes sense. So how could people get hold of the 21 days then? Uh, so what they need to do is um, they can just drop me, a, drop me a line. Very happy to share that with anybody who'd like it. Start you off on your journey. And um, people can't say that they haven't got any, you know, anything to do. If they've, you know, you could try to have a go at that, couldn't they, whilst they're... Uh... We're at home doing not much. Twenty-one days while you're waiting for your vaccinations, and <laughs> I think that's wishful thinking. Twenty-one days, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what? After twenty-one days, do another twenty-one days. Do another twenty-one days. You know, so, and then notice how much. I can't have my vaccine. I'm only on day ten. <laughs> how happy can you be? Well, thank you very much, Rain, for your time. It's been so lovely to chat to you again um oh, and you know it's it's, it's been it's been really it's been really lovely um it's been a very nice evening 
spent chatting <laughs> in our little uh, well it's kind of like active wear stroke lounge wear really isn't it <laughs> well, yes absolutely I'm I'm I'm, I'm going I like it I like it I like, it. I, like it. I, like it. I like the hoodie look it's good thank you thank you <laughs> lounge suit queens aren't we yeah, well well why not you know like, yes, it, it's cold outside let's just be warm and cozy inside it's like, basically it's been like a little it's been like a little pajama party it's loungewear party <laughs> so that's it guys from us today well done on reaching the end of 2021 for some of us it has been a bit of a slog thoroughly enjoyed talking to you receiving information from you and feedback from you please do keep that feedback coming please do leave us reviews um, if you have enjoyed the selling without sleeves podcast this year and i look forward to talking to you more in 2022 bye for now happy selling thanks for listening to the selling without sleeves podcast if you enjoyed this episode please head over to itunes or stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.